started out a number of weeks ago in Matthew chapter 4, okay, and we talked about uh, when Jesus came up to people and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Um, and, that, and that call isn't a call to have the right answers. That, that call isn't to always have all this academic head knowledge of how, uh, and always being right and all those kind of things. It was like, no, I want you to come and be my apprentice. I want you to come and be my intern. I want you to walk with me every day of your life when you're going to whatever it is, your extracurricular activity, you're in class, in your household, with your roommates, follow me. And Jesus is saying, I'll make you fishers of men. Like, I will transform you. And again, he's not hiring people to go and, quote unquote, evangelize the world. He's saying, no, 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 follow me and I'll make you into a fisher of men. And part of that following, you want to know what it does, I think, for all of us? And I hope all of us get our feathers ruffled by the Bible, because if we don't, we're lying. I really believe that, because if, if it really isn't, what Jesus is teaching in many cases is offensive unless all we want to say is the right answers. That's one of the deadliest places to be, is knowing how to say the Christian thing. Okay, some of you guys, like, you make fun of me because I get on, like, the, our, our terminology in the church with the stupid words we use, okay? And here's why. It's because those words can take the place of faith. And, and we think that because you say a certain word, you must be saved. Right? And I'm going, Jesus, hey, we're going to start a standard that Jesus had no standard for. Okay? So whatever your word is that you're thinking of, and I think sometimes it's easy, we have kingdom words. My thing is to say, let's just be real and follow Jesus as his apprentice and as his intern as, and as one who loves us. Because that's what he's calling us to. Follow me. And that means, you want to know what? There are times of embarrassment, right? Unless you know everything. If we aren't open to being embarrassed, I don't know if we're ready to follow Jesus. Because I don't know everything. And I'm going to do things in life that are going to be so ridiculous. And Jesus and my brothers and sisters will correct me with his word. And you want to know what? Getting ruffled feathers is perfectly fine. But what I love, what Megan's talking about is, I'm going to get my heart to where Jesus is, not vice versa. Not let me try to figure out, hold on a minute, how can I figure out what his word, like if right now we're going to read this section, you're going, okay, what this really means to me is, what I want us to hear is, what is Jesus saying to us? Not what does it mean to me, but what is he saying to us? Okay, Matthew 6, verse 25 Jesus is saying this, and I want you to put this in context. We're still fairly early in his ministry. Isn't it easy sometimes that we think Jesus like outlined everything like in the first five minutes of people who would follow him? And he doesn't. I mean, it's relatively, these guys know relatively little about Jesus. They've seen some miracles. They've hung out with him. They've followed him. They've seen how he does life. But as far as his specific teachings to them, this is fairly early on, okay? And he sits down and he says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. What, a, uh, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow and they don't reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height. We don't use those terms anymore, but you can't grow in your height by worrying. 
Why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how much God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. For the idolaters eagerly seek these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If this section of Scripture were left out of the Bible, Jesus could not be a sufficient Savior. I want you to think about that. If this was omitted from the Bible, which I think all of us wish was omitted, like, does it have to be a command? Is this something you actually want your followers in your kingdom to be doing? Not like, hey, I never do it, but I, you know, think about it periodically. He's saying, no, what I'm teaching you, I expect this in my kingdom. If this wasn't here, he would not be a sufficient Savior. He wouldn't be a sufficient Lord. Here's why. If Jesus cannot walk with us and help us through what's here on earth, how can he have the power to take us to heaven? If he didn't say this, he would be less than what he says to be. I want you to think about that. Okay? Here's a, here's a quote. I like this quote. Worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. You know, we talked a little bit on Wednesday. This, this, this chapter alone, even this sermon, this lesson, can ruffle feathers. It'll make everyone angry to a certain degree. Because our first instinct isn't, Jesus, what are you teaching me or telling me? But it's, it might be, he doesn't understand me. You don't know me. How can you say that? How can you tell me to not worry? Don't you know what I've been through? How can you tell me? You don't understand. Don't, don't be all old school telling me not to worry. Jesus is old school. And he's saying, don't worry. Like, again, it's that idea of, of, hold on a minute. If there's any, this will reveal our hearts in terms of, am I really following Jesus or do I want Jesus to conform to my life? Like, which one am I going to be okay with? We're talking about following Jesus, like for real following him. Not just like, hey, I came to church and I feel great. I'm talking about like, no, this is real. Like, this is hard, okay, to do this every single day. But um, if he can't do this, he isn't sufficient to be our Lord. And I want you to think about that through the week. 
Because if you're following Jesus, but you're, you're saying, no, 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 you know what? I will not stop worrying. I will not stop. I will not conform to your teachings. Then there's somebody else that you're following. Okay? But here's the good news. You want some good news here? <laughs> this section right here, you want to know what? It's saturated in the gospel. This section that we read is saturated. We've talked about this from the beginning. If you haven't written this down and you haven't committed this to memory and you haven't had your chance to get your feathers ruffled over this <laughs> statement, I'll give you a chance now. The gospel you believe determines the disciple you become. The gospel you believe and the gospel I believe will determine the disciple I become. So if the gospel, I believe, is a false gospel, and you may go, no, no, I'm in church, there's no way. The church I go to is the one right gospel church, and everyone else is the wrong gospel church. And I'm saying absolutely not. I think what Megan said was awesome. She's like, you know what? Uh, man, I, I get my feathers ruffled, and, you know, it's probably I've got an area to grow in, not, you know, I've got to figure out how Jesus can conform to me. But the gospel we believe will determine the disciple we become. So if... My spiritual life right now is full of bitterness or complacency or apathy that we feel like all we have to do is come to church and that's it. That's a gospel that you believe. But it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a gospel that somebody taught you. And you want to know what's funny is that most, most of the time isn't verbalized. It's something that you, you just have assumed or you've looked around the world and you've seen, oh, doesn't it just matter? Isn't the gospel just about going to church, being saved and going to church? Yeah. And in fact, most Christians can't, cannot verbalize what the gospel is. We've asked that. I've asked a number of you guys, what is the gospel? And almost every single Christian stops at salvation. Like Jesus, he, he came on earth, he died for our sins, he rose again so we could be saved. Okay, and, and that is a portion of the greater story. And if we leave out the greater story, we leave out so much power. If we can't articulate in a few minutes, what is the gospel? That God who has created, this God who spoke things into existence. And by the way, you know, you might be going, oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. I believe in evolution, all that kind of stuff. Listen, I'm fine with good science, but at some point, God had to speak something into existence, okay? I mean, at some point, that had to happen, that God started out with such perfect intimacy that we can go back to the first chapters of the Bible, and we can see what God's perfect plan was for him and us, which is, you want to know what? You don't have to be vulnerable with God. You don't have to be transparent with God. Because there's no sin. Everything you are is perfectly vulnerable. That's how he started. Can you imagine that? Like we, we get blown away when we hear great talks on vulnerability. Can you imagine if you didn't even know what vulnerability meant because there was nothing to hide? You didn't even know what transparent about what? You know everything. I'm walking around the, the garden naked for Pete's sake. You know, God, I'm not even ashamed. We're just walking around and there is no sin and no humility and no shame and no guilt. And God said, that's exactly the way I wanted it to be. But then, you know, what we did, we, we decided, no, God, we want to be like you. We want to be, we want to know what you know. Like, I'm not going to trust you when you say, don't go and eat that 
fruit over there. I'm not going to trust you because it looks good to my eyes, so I'm going to go and get it. And then there was a separation. Did you know the gospel, one of the most powerful parts of the gospel is that God allowed us to feel the consequences of our sin? You know, and and if you're running from that right now, like if that's going on in your life, like if you came to church to feel like absolved from your guilt, God, the the good news is God may be letting you feel the weight of sin to go, I do not like this. I do not like running from God. I do not like sin. I do not like what it brings. I don't, I hate it. I don't want it in my life. I don't want it in my friend's life. I don't want it in my family's life. That's part of the good news is don't come to get your guilt absolved. Come to follow Jesus, right? And realize that, oh man, um, golly, he's allowing me to feel the weight of this. But here's my favorite part of the gospel, and sometimes it never gets communicated. God didn't forget us. Sometimes we forget about that. We live in a lonely world. We live in a lonely world. It's the most connected socially and the loneliest. It's amazing how connected we are socially on the Internet, yet the rates of suicide and depression and anxiety keep going higher and higher and higher. Does that make sense? I'm not a scientist, but I'm going, if I'm trying to treat your cancer and I give you drugs that make your cancer get worse, like at what point does somebody go, doc, stop, it ain't working. Like, have we ever thought about that before? Like as we engage with our community of social media and Instagram and we're going, wow, why, I don't understand why girls haven't gone, Instagram is killing us. And we keep going back and back and back to it. And then we're like, why does the world keep worrying about, like, we got body issues and body image issues. And I'm like, man, uh, Women's Day, why are women speaking out against Instagram? Seriously. I'm like, if somebody gave you a pill to help you overcome something and it made you worse, would you keep taking it? And we keep taking it. And we live in a lonely world. And here's the gospel is God saying to every single person, I haven't forgot about you. If you're here, even if you're not here, people here in the dorms, people who are at home, people who are, here's one of the truths of the Bible is God is working in your life right now. Every person, every single person you know, every person on the planet, every person breathing, God is working. Now we know that, you want to know what? You can be like, nah, I'm not going to listen to that. I can't tell you the number of times before I was baptized into Christ that God worked in my life over how many years and how much sin he made me taste and and hate and feel guilty about and how much he worked. Don't ever think that God isn't working in your life. Everyone's he is. Okay, this is the gospel. He hasn't forgot about you. He came back. He sent his son, but he sent his son to do something more than to just Help us get to heaven and not go to hell. He called us to live a life that was going to be fuller than we could ever imagine living. He called us to a life. You know what's funny? The commands that Jesus gives us. Before I go into it, how many of y'all, just don't raise your hand, but just think about it. (laughs) Have you ever made the argument, man, I don't want to do Christianity and be a legalist? Just think about it. I'm going to be legalistic about that. Almost, if you've been in church for a while, you've said it, thought it. Man, I don't want to be legalistic. Oh, that dude's saying something legalistic. I don't want to be legalistic. Here's the interesting thing. 
everything Jesus commands us to do is about relationship. Everything. Everything is about how we interact with one another because of how he is working in our lives. Have you ever said that or thought that? Could you have that conversation with your spouse? Really, one day, even if you're not married, I want you to think about this. Where your spouse says, eh, I'm not really going to like, I know they say to have a good marriage, you know, we need to tell each other we love each other and spend time with each other, but I won't be a legalist in our marriage. <laughs> Seriously, have that talk if you're married. God, I know what they say. I know that I should love you like Jesus loved the church, but I don't want to be legal. Honey, understand that. I don't want to be legalistic. Jordan says that all the time to Cammie. He says, I want our marriage to be pure. And you don't know what? We are so self-righteous and high and mighty. He doesn't really. If you don't know Jordan, okay, you're going, dang, he just called out Jordan right there. No, he doesn't. Um, but we get so high and mighty about what we're not going to do. And Jesus is going, I'm, not, I'm just telling you what to do to have great relationships. I'm telling you what to do because you want to know what? When you're impure, your relationship's going to stink. When you hate people, your relationship's going to stink. When you haven't reconciled, your relationship's going to stink. It's going to be horrible here on earth if you don't do what I'm telling you. And we're so, again, high and mighty. Ah, I don't want to be a legalist. I'm going, hold on a minute. The good news says that we treat each other this way. That he died so that we can live to love each other and to love our enemies. And to do all the hard things we think are really hard, you just go, no, man, it's for here on earth. That life is going to be full, and the people are going to see that life is full, and they're going to want that too. So that, just thinking in mind, is this section is saturated in the gospel. You know, even, I'm going to pick on Megan a little bit too, because like she said, the sassy part of Jesus, of you of little faith, okay, is a lot of times we read into the character of Jesus, like he's going, you know, if we picture Jesus as a guy that's just like, I don't really like you in the first place. <laughs> like, I got to come down here on earth for you, you silly joker. I got to come down here and I got to teach you this stuff and I should just let you go to hell. We think that that's like Jesus, like strutting around Galilee, like just getting on people and rebuking like all Christians should do all the time. Right. And so we read into we read emotion into this. Like Jesus going, you know, like read the section, you know, right before this is, uh, or the, 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 uh, uh, that, that, that section right there in verse 30. If that's, uh, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do mo much more for you? This is something positive. This is something good. This is something meant to be like, hey, just look around. Okay, because here's what's going to kill us if we leave here today and we just go, okay, I'm going to do everything in my power to not worry. Okay, it's like when you leave church and you go, okay, I'm going to do everything in my power to not be impure. I'm going to do everything in my power to not hate. I'm going to do everything in my power. And that's not even what Jesus is saying. He's saying stop for a second. And this is why if you hadn't spent any time, if you haven't spent at the very least 30 minutes in this section, I don't know if I have much hope for you to be able to, like, really get this very well, okay? Um, because Jesus is going, hey, look around. Just look around. I'm giving you reasons why you don't have to worry. I'm giving you plenty of reasons. I mean, look at the birds and look at the beautiful flowers and look. Just stop for a second and look and go. The, the response for a disciple is, 
the heck am I worried about? Like, wh- why am I worried about what people think about me? Why am I worried about who am I going to marry or who am I going to? Why am I worried about that? Because God is like, hey, and in fact, he says up here, up in verse 26, when he talks about the birds and all that, he says, aren't you worth more than they? This would have blown their minds. This is one of the first times in Jesus' ministry that he really pours his heart out to people, like emotionally, which is he's saying, I'm going to ask you to do hard things. Sean Snowden, Daniel Yassi, Emily Shaw, don't you know that you're worth more than these beautiful birds? Like, that's his point. Is man, guys, in my kingdom, it just isn't like that. You cannot come and follow me if every day you're just this worried, like you don't trust me, you don't believe I can do what I can do. I'm trying to help you get out there and like live life to the fullest and, and, and you want a counseling session from Jesus every single day. You've got to like be convinced every single day that no, no, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He's saying, man, just follow me and look around and see what I do when you follow me. So instead of the idea of, okay, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry. If I'm really following Jesus, then it's like, hold on a minute. I'm really following Jesus. And when that kind of temptation comes in my mind, I just, can you imagine if you're walking with Jesus and he would know when that thing came into your mind and you start to get worried. He's like, "Eh." (laughs) every, can you imagine that every time? Stop it. Like, look at who you're following. Don't worry. It doesn't matter what you see around you. Don't worry. That's what he's talking about here. It's saturated. This section is saturated in gospel. And if we miss that, boy, we're, we are going to turn legalistic because we're going to go, okay, I'm only, as, I'm only worth as much as, as the day goes by without me worrying. Instead of going, hold on a minute. I'm not doing this to get God to love me more. I'm doing this because God loves me. And he's saying, hey, it really, Jesus is looking you in the eye and saying, aren't you worth more than all this beautiful nature? You're worth more to me. Right? He's giving us all the inspiration built into it. All the inspiration, okay? But isn't it easy to think, like, I have read this, I've seen this, I'm familiar with this, and it's never worked. It's never worked. It's impossible. I'm exasperated. Okay? Understand what he's saying here. He's saying... He's, he's telling this to people that he's already told, follow me. That you've said you've left everything already. You've already decided to leave everything. Like, as you follow me, you're starting to see from my teachings, you're going to lose some things by following me. So this isn't a self-improvement section of the Bible. I think it's sometimes easy to do that is to think, oh, man, I just I, I love Christianity because it helps self, me become just an improved person. This isn't about self-improvement. He's like, no, actually, this is the ethic of the kingdom of God. Like, I'm telling this to people who decided to follow me already. Unfortunately, there's going to be some of us, and we're going to be sitting in church for the rest of our lives. We're not following Jesus. 
Yeah, I, I mean this church. I mean like, the, you know, in your mind you're going, but our church is the right church. No, I'm telling you. In this place, we can sit and go, I never followed Jesus. He couldn't handle my worries. He can't handle my anxiety. He can't handle my life. I tried it. It's his fault. I'm going through hard things. Where's he? And he's saying, no, no, no. See, you missed these teachings prior to this section. You missed what I told you before. You missed what I told you about being poor in spirit and mourning and hungering and thirsting. You missed those. And man, if we hit Jesus right in the middle of this one, it is going to be hard. We got to go back and go, oh man, I, need, I might need to start from the beginning again. And go, hold on a minute. Let me get to know because Jesus is teaching and he's got a purpose. Okay, this isn't number one teaching of his, but he has walked us through this, of following him, of, the, of, of what our hearts should be, how we should be interacting with one another. You know, it's going to be really hard to worry. It's, it's funny, right before this, we talked a couple weeks ago about the idea of, man, if you have anything, if you know anybody that has anything against you, go and reconcile. And if we decide and we go, I'm not going to do that, I don't know how you're going to not worry. I'm not going to deal with my lust in chapter 5. I'm not going to deal with my hatred. I'm not going to deal with my, like, lying tongue. I'm not going to deal with that, but I really want him to make me stop worrying. He's going, I'm, t- that, I'm telling you don't worry after I taught you these things and how to follow me, right? And so, again, this is for real, like, really following Jesus, really obeying his word. But he says one thing, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek it first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, it's funny. Abby brought up a really neat point to me. She said, you know, Psalm 23 is so great. He leads me beside, right, still waters, green pastures. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that what we want? And you know what can end up happening is we want our lives to be that all the time. And we forgot the rest of Psalm 23. It's like all I want to create in my life is calm, stream. I just want to go to the, the river, put my Eno up, and that be life. And beautiful weather all the time. That's what can be what we seek first. I just want whatever's going to make my life peaceful. Whatever's going to not give me stress. Whatever's gonna, whatever I can do to where I get eight hours of sleep every day. Whatever I can do to everything in my classes is easy. Work is easy. I get paid enough money. I get the cars I want. I get the friends I want. I get the spouse I want. As long as all that, just tell me how to get that. Except that's not Christianity. (laughs) That's something else. You go find a group, I guess, that does that. And you'll feel great, I guess, for a little short period of time. All right? But remember, Psalm 23 says, when you walk through the shadow of the valley of death or the valley of the shadow of death (laughs) just so you know alex has actually wrote this sermon for me and i'm lip syncing everything he's saying but he helps me out as he as i walk through this valley is this idea of you know what is um it's fascinating if our goal is let me have the let me figure out how i can have the most peaceful comfortable life in the world we can't seek first the kingdom because when you build your house on the strong foundation, you know what? The, the weak foundation in Matthew 7 and the strong foundation, they both those houses have something in common. What is it? 
the storm. Storm's the same. And so this is what can happen with this section. Here, I'm just going to say this. I don't know. Here, here's my greatest fear. We trust authors and specialists more than we trust the Word of God when it comes to this. We want to go find a good book in Barnes & Noble. It's going to help us not worry how to cure anxiety. Have you seen the world we live in? Like, what are they actually going to do to cure anxiety? I'm seriously. I'm like, what does that book say to do? Here's, but this is my biggest fear. And I think it's going to happen to many people. God's going to go, I told you in my Bible, and, you're going to, and we're going to go, but I had this really great book. And this dude wrote it. He's awesome. I think he's a Christian even. And it's about how not to have anxiety and how not to have worry. But you know what's interesting is those books make lots of money because they don't work. That's how they make money. But I'm telling you, when I talk to people, and I'm guilty of this too, is people go, man, I'm full of worry and full of anxiety. I've got a great book for you to read. How about I've got a great section of scripture to go and read? Like, this is Jesus himself saying, no, 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 for real. That guy might be great that wrote that book. But you know what the world has fooled us into? Thinking, if I can understand me, it will make my life peaceful. Like, if I can understand, like, you college kids do it all the time, your personality type. Anybody know your four-letter personality type? What are you? Who knows theirs? INTJ right there. I'm good. Now, no anxiety. There's no worry in your life, right? I mean, has life been easy since you figured that out? Yeah, I mean, you know, you go back old school, I'm sanguine, I'm choleric, I'm melancholy, I'm all this kind of stuff. You know, you get new school, I'm the, I've got all these kind of, we got names to diagnose everything. Did Jesus just forget about that? Did Jesus just forget about that? Like, hold on a minute, you, how come, Jesus, what's your personality? I'm, but if I'm this, then I can make my life a certain way that's going to be less stressful and peaceful. Anybody here a Band of Brothers fan? If you're a Band of Brothers fan, I love Band of Brothers. I've been watching a documentary, and it interviewed these men who stormed Normandy, ultimately took over Hitler's home up in the mountains, okay? I mean, these guys went from D-Day to the end of the war in Europe in World War II. These were true. I mean, you want to talk about tough guys, man. I mean, these guys were them. And I'm watching all the interviews, and, and we're all thankful for them, I hope. <laughs> they sacrificed a lot. Some sacrificed everything. And as these guys are recounting the stories, and they're just like crying their eyes out, they're just recounting the things they saw and the friends they lost, I thought it would be so horrible if during World War II, Wild Bill Garnier or Dick Winters, or Buck Compton, or these other guys who are heroes in the war, say, guys, can't fight the Germans right now. A little overwhelmed. I mean, there were a lot of men that went to, in the battle. There were as many or more women that were helping here, there. Everyone was included in this. And I'm, thank, I'm thankful that that war did not take place in 2017. How many people go, no, 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 gosh, I didn't get eight hours of sleep last night. 
I know they're shooting at me. You know. And, and I, I, seriously, this isn't even funny to me. Because I feel like, man, we just give in. And it's like, man, if, if we can just like, understand who we are, then I can eliminate worry and anxiety. I'm going, man, Jesus is gearing us up because we're in a war. <laughs> like Satan is never stopping. But I wonder so much when we're like, man, I just can't be super faithful because I don't get eight hours of sleep at night. I just can't do this because everything's not perfect in my life and I'm so stressed out and there's so much going on and life is so overwhelming. If I could just figure out a way to make life less overwhelming, I could be so much more faithful. And I'm watching guys who fought in World War II and I'm going, holy mackerel, thank you that they did not say that. They didn't eat, they didn't sleep, they were in the snow without clothes, getting shot at and they're watching their friends die. Do you not think that they weren't stressed out? And somehow it has become like the thing where we have become smarter than the rest of the world. And I wonder what the rest of the world thinks. I wonder about the mom that doesn't have food for her kids. I wonder if she does get to go home and take a nap when she wants to take a nap. I wonder if she gets to stop life. I wonder if the dad gets to stop life when there's no money. I wonder if the dad gets to do that. And why I say this isn't to get on people, but here's what I'm saying. We're living in a bubble that's not real. And until we, like, open our eyes, we are going to be, I mean, drastically fooled into what a disciple is. I'm not kidding you. Like, I am, I cannot tell you the frustration of, of, I just, if we could all record what we complain about. And what we're, when we don't get everything the way we want it. And when school, I'm like, of course you're busy if you're in school. You're in school. <laughs> like, did you imagine when you went to Clemson University that you were going to be like, dang, I'm going to have all my free time. Like, how are you fooled by that? You're like, I got no time. Oh, life is so stressed out because I got all these classes. I'm like, did they surprise you with that? Like, did you show up for a class and you're like, what's this, class? I mean, seriously, we add things on, and then we're like, ah, my life is so stressful. I'm going, man, do you realize 80% of the world wishes they had our problems? (laughs) They wish they had our problems, man. Oh, my, what, this is broken, and my car doesn't work, and all that, and you expect me to come to church 15 minutes early, and oh, my goodness, I didn't sleep enough, and I'm going, wow, man, I don't know, let's follow Jesus, that's all I'm saying. Like, really, I mean, it's like there are times you don't get to sleep and you stop to get up and be faithful. There are times when it's just you're busy and you still got to give. Like, that's what he's saying. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek it first. That means that it is an intentional life, okay? And you know what his righteousness is? Summed up in one thing. As I have loved you, you love others. Summed up in that point. John 13. Seek that first. Tired, sick, overwhelmed, nervous, anxious, worried, whatever it is, is my mindset is, God, let me consider how you've loved me. And, and whoever, I'm going to find that person that I can pour that into. And in your house, it's your children and your spouse. And in, in the coffee shop, it's the people sitting around you. And in your school classroom, it's your friends. And it's that idea of seeking that first, of how you have loved me, so I will love others. And if that's not happening, I'm just saying that we aren't following Jesus. 
Hopefully that's not too blunt, but that's what Jesus was about. That was his righteousness, is seeking that, not just going, okay, I'm going to try to be a good person, but I'm going to look for people. And you all know, most of the people, we don't have to look farther than our kitchen. We don't have to look farther than where we spend our time. God has put people right in our lives, and he's saying, listen, I am pouring love into you and grace, and I'm lavishing on this into you. You want to know for, because I want it to overflow all over the people around you. That is like the coolest thing in the world to me. That's what you were talking about. That's like, I can do that. If, if I have to go through life going, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, I'm going to be a mess because I'm going to worry. <laughs> it's a command. I'm not worried. I promise I'm not worried. Instead of going, hold on a minute. You didn't tell me to just go through and say that. What you told me to do is seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Above my comfort, above what everything I want, above how I want to control all the circumstances, above that, how you have loved me, I will love others. That's awesome. That is good news right there. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Can, I, what I, here's what I want us all to be able to do. We should be able to tell the story of Matthew 6, 25 through 34 in the first person. This is how this looks in my life. Hey, when I read these passages, I know it can be scary because it's a command, but I want to share with you what God is doing in my life and how I'm obeying that. Okay, that's it. That's what we should be great at that. And you can be. You really can, but it takes time. It takes time. This is hard. Maybe not hard. It's challenging. It may be calling us. We may be sitting here. Man, I've been Christians for a long time and go, I need to complete mind change when it comes to this. There may be some of you and you're like, I don't even know. I didn't even start following Jesus yet. But man, I want to start with the right foundation to where I'm not like following this angry Jesus who doesn't love me, who doesn't. But he's going, hey, hey, you have little faith, man. Like, that's a cool little nickname. <laughs> hey, little faithless, come here. <laughs> come here, buddy. He's so cute. You know? <laughs> Come on over here and follow me, you know? And, um, but that idea of seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, how he has loved me, I, I want you to think about that in your week. Your roommates, your family, your classmates, your teachers, your boss, your coworkers, would they say, man, you know what? Dude, how God loves you, that's how you love me. That right there is, I, I, man, you do that, I don't even know. Everything else gets kind of pushed out of the way.